Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about abundance and whether that is God's plan for everyone on earth. Kind of like the prosperity gospel, only from a different spin. And is that really what God wants for everyone? But before that, John, what'd you hear this week? Tell me something that happened to you that's kind of interesting this week. Well... As per usual, most of my stories are coffee stories because that's where most of my time is spent. And uh, this week, a a woman at the uh, a customer at the coffee shop where I work, her name is uh, Donna. She's a regular, but she was telling me about how I looked like her brother when they were younger. His name was Bobby, and she said their nickname for him <laughs> was Bobby Brillo. Because his hair looked like a Brillo pad. So she's telling you your yeah. hair looks like a Brillo pad. <laughs> she, yeah, she's hey, Bobby me. Brillo. Yeah. But she, I think either she noticed or or something where she was like, but it's a good, like, I loved his hair. But well, I love she, Brillo pads. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Your like, hair looks like Brillo, but I'm yeah. a big fan of Brillo. Yeah. No, you don't get Did it. Did she give you her number? Did you get her digits? No. No. That's good. Donna's significantly older. Oh, but, okay. Uh, uh, anyway, she's very nice. She's coming in a few times since then and. Uh, always a treat, but it, uh, it cracked me up. Bobby Brillo. And I remember his name, this guy who I'm, I'm never going to meet. You Now uh, you remember Bobby Brillo. Yeah. You'll always, always, remember. always remember Bobby Brillo. Always remember Bobby Brillo. In fact, Brillo. the same time she came in, I didn't remember her name, but I remembered her brother, brother's name. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I, Bobby Brillo. Hey, you're Bobby Brillo's sister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly. And she knew my name. That was the worst part. Oh, she, and not by Bobby Brillo. She remembered Johnny. Yeah. Well, John, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, but anyway. So at work, you use John, not Jonathan or Johnny. Just Everywhere I use John. You, John, you use Johnny because you're my. I father. almost never call you Johnny anymore. I don't think. Maybe that's subconscious. I don't remember. I'm trying to call you John or Jonathan, but I thought Jonathan's what you prefer. No, I I, I introduced myself as. Well, John. this is great. A father son conversations because I really know my son. Right. I don't even know what he likes to be called. Well, it's not Jim and Jonathan dot com. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it is Jim and John. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Well, that's our story segment, and we're going to do that every week. We'll kind of kick off our podcast with a funny story or something that happened to us recently. So that was a good one, John. Oh, or you. should I say Bobby Brillo? <laughs> Johnny Brillo. Johnny. There you go. Yeah. Not Johnny Bravo, but Johnny Brillo. <laughs> I love it. Now we got a whole new name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so this week we're talking about prosperity. It's a, it's an inconsistent, uh, a seemingly inconsistent uh, reality of, you know, uh, our walk with Jesus. I, I struggle with this a lot where, um, there are a lot of promises, uh, that Jesus makes in, in regards to, you know, our, uh, our prosperity on the earth and, uh, Christians get sick. And when Jesus was walking his, you know, you know, disciples got sick. And when he was gone, you know, um, what's the, he's talking to Timothy and, you know, he, Paul says that take a little wine for your stomach. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That he wasn't going to heal you. When, uh, when John the Baptist is in prison and he sends, yeah. he asks for help and, yeah. you know, so it's not, it's very clear that, um, because you follow Jesus does not mean. Yeah. So in that case, you know, he told John, John the Baptist said, Hey, are you the right dude or should we right. look for another? And he, and he finishes that conversation with blessed are those who are not offended by me. And so he's kind of saying that Christians aren't going to always get what they want mm-hmm. and blessed are those who aren't offended by that. 
like you still trust God and still believe him. Right. I think the, you know, the, the question that goes in my head is, um, does God want abundance for everyone? Like if God had his way, would everybody prosper? Sure. The thing I hate about the prosperity doctrine is it turns believers into these, uh, flesh feeding, um, selfish kind of compass, you know, like come, come serve God because then it's a Cadillac in every driveway and, you know, and everything's great. Yeah. So I I think maybe the starting point is, you know, what is abundance? What does it mean to prosper? Right. And uh, when you think about the Garden of Eden, for example, like before the fall, there wasn't going to be disease. There wasn't sickness. There wasn't going to be poverty. Sure. Um, later, Jesus says, you know, the poor you'll always have with you. But is that his plan? Is it his, is it, is it his plan that we would have the poor? Mm-hmm. Or is that a fact of life? And when you go back to the garden, I always think, you know, the two places where God gets everything he wants is the Garden of Eden and heaven. And in neither place will there be sickness, disease. There won't be cancer. There won't be, you know, horrific realities. There won't be rape and there won't be, right. uh, you know, horrible things. So... I, I think uh, on that basis, I think it's it's safe to say that God did not have those things in mind for us. Right. But then when we talk, so, you know, we talk about that God wants us to have abundance, but of maybe in it through a different lens. And that would be one thing if every Christian was a, um, you know, a, a poor or, a, you know, less well-off person who was still delight, delighting in the Lord and, you know was never going hungry, you know, but we have some Christians who are doing, you know, who are multimillionaires and have mm. those you yeah. know, Mercedes Benz in the driveway. Right. And I, I would go as far as to say that some Christians who have nice things are really doing it right. They're really living for God. Sure. They're giving, you know, way more than 10% oh of their wealth to God. They're giving, yeah. you know, they're radically generous. Right. Yeah. So it's hard to reconcile when there are people like that. And then there's, you know, there's people in remote villages who are, you know, who might be going hungry, you know? Yeah. So I always look for the principles to help guide these, these thoughts in my mind. And one of them is that if it doesn't preach equally in every culture on earth, it's not biblical truth. Mm, that's good. So, you know, the American gospel is not the gospel Sure. and whatever is the gospel, whatever is the truth from the scriptures is the truth in every culture. So that's one of the principles. But you go to John ten ten. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So it is the intention of Jesus that if you know him, follow him, walk with him, that your life will be abundant. You'll have right. life to the full. I also think that if you look at the scriptures from start to finish, it's obvious that God intended to put favor on his people. Mm. You know, he promises you'll be the head and not the tail. Uh, I'll restore what the locust has eaten, that if you're my people, um, you'll do, you know, you'll grow in favor as Jesus did with God and man. And so there's this, uh, this reality that your life is going to get better. Sure. If you're a follower of Jesus, like if you're close to God, there's reward in that. There's, there's prosperity there. One of the scriptures says, uh, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. So as you're closer to God and prospering in your faith, that has repercussions in other parts of your life. Yeah, but I think if if you take that too literally, and you get into these areas to where you see, you know, a Christian family who is not well off, maybe they have debt or, or something, and you you could assume, 
they must be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. They might not, they must not be prospering in their spirit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so that because they're not prospering uh, fiscally. So then that question is, you know, seeing Christians suffer. Mm. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. So not all Christians appear to be treated the same. Well, and because of so much of the the teaching of Jesus specifically is so metaphorical and um, timeless almost. So he says, you know, he says that, that you might have life and have abundantly. But then he also says that the world's going to hate you because you hate the world or you're supposed yeah. to be at odds with the world. In this world, you shall suffer. All, all who all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Right. And then another spot where he tells the disciples, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of right. good cheer. I've overcome the world. So from, and personally, when I read those passages, it's hard for me to reconcile. Is he talking eternal life and, and life in God? So is that abundance eternal, not temporal? Right. And, and when he talks about, because, you know, is he is he talking about the kingdom life where it's it's more ethereal and um you know spiritual where you still are are rejoicing in God and at peace and yeah. living better than you know uh most of the world just in a a less tangible way yeah well so this let's let's go to a to let's kind of frame the conversation with some questions hmm. what is abundance when Jesus says you'll live life more abundantly what does he have in mind like what is the favor of God. What does it right. mean to be blessed by God? Right? So I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Like you're with me. So there's a favor, there's an abundance, there's a blessedness in our lives, no matter what our circumstances are. So mm-hmm. I think the abundance that Jesus had in mind and the abundance that every Christian can claim and believe is this favor of God, like the weight of glory on your life, uh, the abiding presence that never leaves you. Uh, though you walk through anything, you won't do it alone and I'll be with you and I'll sustain you and I'll hold you. Like what more could a guy really want right. than the presence of God? Well, and I think when, we, when we're trying to reconcile suffering and, and a benign God, really the whole world is going to suffer parts of their life even mm-hmm. people who have got it made in the shade yeah you know so really your yeah. only your choice is not to suffer or not suffer it's to uh suffer physically but have your peace in god or to suffer and have your peace anywhere else you know yeah so you know one of the ways i have a lot of these little sayings that i love and i've one noticed of, <laughs> one of them is that life is hard mm. and if you expect life to be easy it makes it even harder but if you embrace that life is hard, it becomes exponentially easier. And what you're saying, and I think this is true, there is no one for whom life is easy. Right. There's just no one. Mm. And so we know that. We know that this is a fallen world. We we live in a cesspool, and you can't live in a cesspool without getting stink on you. And so that's 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 the reality. But in that, we have the favor of God and the, the blessedness of God upon us. Now, there's also apparently a promise in the Scriptures that we will never be destitute. Sure. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Clearly, there are people who are begging in, in horrible developing countries where there's severe economic distress and they're, they're you know, finding their food in a, in a, in a landfill. Hmm. Um, and yet God says, I will take care of you. Like if Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and all this stuff is going to be added to you as well. You don't need to worry about what you're going to wear or where you're going to live or what you're going to eat. Right. I mean, these are the words of Jesus. So there appears to be 
a desire by God that all who love him and walk with him and serve him enjoy provision, maybe not everything they want, but certainly everything they need. So would you say then that there's a a bedrock of guarantee where your um, your necessities will be provided? Because I guess now that I think about it, even, um, you know, Elijah going, uh, fleeing the king and hiding, um, I forget the, the king, it's not, not important for the story, but, um, and God tells him to wait by this uh, riverbank and wait there and the birds will bring him food right. until the river dries up. Right. Uh, and, and him and with the, the Israelites, um, fleeing Egypt, they got their food and unless they were disobedient, right? Is that when the manna stopped? I could, yeah, well, the manna stopped the day they went in the promised land. So, uh, because now the fruit of the promised land was going to feed them, and the right. manna did not stop until that day. So, would uh, you say that? But there was some obedience there. I mean, you got to sure. go out and get the manna for today. Like, if you didn't show up at manna time, you went hungry. And if you tried to store up manna, it went bad. So, there was an obedience factor. So, this is where, you know, for me, I think of uh, what is God's part in the plan of abundance? And what is my part? And how does that all work together? Because clearly God's desire, if you read the Bible, to me, it's obvious cover to cover. God's desire is that his people be distinguished among all people on the earth. Like they are, they have more peace. They have more joy. They are cared for by God. He fights their enemies on their behalf. Mm. Uh, He distinguishes himself for them as they are his people. So God's part is to do the supernatural, to do what you can't do, to make a bird come and bring you your food, right. uh, to make a, a, a spring of water show up, to bring water out of a rock, um, to, to have a hundred year old woman shopping for maternity clothes because he told her she's going to have a baby. I mean, right. this is what God wants to do for his people. He wants to be miraculous. But the transition, it goes from, it, again, from a, you know, from a lay perspective, it goes from those, you know, the, the, the very tangible fiscal prospering of the Old Testament to the prospering of the Spirit. And the followers of, of Jesus, after he uh, ascends, their lives aren't glamorous, you know, but they, but they have these, um, the fruits of being a follower of God. But it's, it seems like you would have to look harder at them to notice. Or, well, you have some interesting things happen here. You, right. You've got... Uh, you've got James who says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so one thing Jesus is asking of his followers is to take up their cross and follow him. Like, so, so uh, riches in this life, it's not that they're bad. It's not, it, it's that they don't matter. Yeah. And so prosperity in Christ is a different thing than material prosperity. He takes care of us. I know that I will always have what I need and I'll probably have more than what I need. Why? Because God has called me to do my job with all my heart, not like I'm working for men, but like I'm working for God because my life is worship. Well, if I do my work with all my heart, like I'm doing it for God, I'm probably getting promoted. My, like my work life is going to go okay. It's true. And if I follow his financial plan, if I give God the first fruits of my income and then I obey him and I spend less money than I make, not because it's just stupid, but because it's sinful. Right. And, and then if I and you don't borrow without, I don't, you know, without yeah, doing I don't, the right way. I don't act presumptuous financially. I don't, I don't presume upon God to cover my debts. Um, I'm generous with others. Uh, you start obeying the principles of God's word, and now what you're doing is you're aligning yourself with God's economy. 
And things are probably going to trend up and to the right for you. If you live in a developing country among a poor people, Mm -hmm. you're going to have it better than most of the other poor people because God's favor is on you and you're living your life unto God. So your whole life is an act of worship. So then then this might be slightly tangential. We can come on back. But how much would you say, so it's a, we, we have a, um, oh shoot, what's the term? We, uh, it's, it's unconditional love from God. But would you say that this specific blessing, this promise is conditional to obedience? I think that, um, it's not like you earn it. It's not like a wage. Okay. But I think it's like, um, um, Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God for whoever comes to him must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hmm. So I would say, you know, uh, that there is a reward for those who diligently seek him. You, I've said now, I've got this thing where I can't stop thinking about it, that the Bible solves a thousand problems before they ever arise in your life. Like if you follow God, if you walk after God's word, there's a thousand problems you've solved that never even show up in your life now. You're not going to get an STD if you follow God's sexual plan, right? Uh, there is a favor that aligns with uh, being obedient to God. And so you get a lot of so- problems solved in advance. So God's part is to bring the supernatural to bear in your life, to walk with you so that you're never alone and he always meets your need. But your part is to do it God's way. Yeah. Your part is to bow your knee, surrender to God, make him Lord of your life and simply do what you're told by God. Sure. And so when you do that, you're going to prosper. And I use that in air quotes. Mm. Your life is going to be more abundant than the guy next to you who might know Jesus, but isn't doing that. And so there's a, there's a reward. Second Chronicles 16, nine is one of my favorite verses. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself powerful on behalf of those whose hearts are perfectly his. Yeah. So then what would you say, and, and if we were to, to uh, just burn this down to, to uh, a quote, what would you say to someone who says, why, you know, uh, the, the, the disciple who was wealthy, who bought Jesus' tomb or buried Jesus in his personal tomb, mm-hmm. what differentiates him from, you know, Paul in, in wealth? Why, what is it, and, and is there... Um, you know, what's going on there? Why, yeah, why is well, there that disparity? Paul had, well, they had, they had different callings. So Paul's calling was to advance the gospel where it had never been. But that calling was funded by people like the guy who buried Jesus. Mm. So his calling is funded by people who love Jesus and who acquire wealth. So uh, that's this whole spiritual gift thing. For some, you have the gift of uh, generosity. Some, you have the gift of giving. Some, you have the gift of teaching or preaching. And so... Uh, your job is to be faithful to the calling of God. But in every case, what needs to be true of us is that financial wealth just doesn't matter to us. Yeah. Like we can enjoy everything and need nothing. As you were talking, I realized I can't think of a single time in the scriptures where a follower of Jesus in the new Testament complains about lack. (laughs) In fact, Paul says I've suffered lack, but I've learned the secret of contentment. So that whatever circumstances I'm in, I'm okay. I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to have almost nothing. I've been beaten and shipwrecked, but in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. So uh, there is an there's an abundance for us, yeah. 
But the key is that we let go of this world. And so you may have much in this world and you may have little in this world, but you will be abundant if you're walking with God and if your heart's fully is. Yeah. So then what would you say, because this is very detached from pragmatism, you know, and it's not that the Bible encourages you to be reckless uh, with your money, but when uh, Joseph, you know, saves the world during a seven year drought. Right. Right. Maybe longer. I actually forget. Well, seven years of plenty, then seven years of drought. Yeah. And he, you know, through God has that wisdom to stockpile the food and then distribute it. Yeah. Um, That's extraordinarily pragmatic where there seems to be kind of a tension there between complete reliance on God and, you know, uh, shrewdness or, or at least uh, wisdom. How do you? Yeah, I would agree. And, and, And the bridge is revelation from God. So God spoke to Joseph. Hey, there's going to be seven years of plenty and then the bad's coming. I know that in the church, you know, that I pastor, we will, when we have plenty, yeah. one of the things the elders wrestle with, are we Joseph right now? And God is calling us to stockpile because a famine's coming. Gotcha. Or is this abundance to be used right now for this great opportunity right in front of us? And so, uh, you know, that's, that's again, walking closely with Jesus so that you're so that you're understanding. So the pragmatism is stay close to God and keep your ear in tune. And there's also a pragmatism of go ahead and leverage God's principles. Hmm. In Malachi, you know, God says, hey, trust, test me in this. There's no other place in the Bible where we are encouraged. In fact, we're forbidden to test God. Oh. Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But in Malachi, God says, go ahead, test me, which is about tithing. And he says, if you put me first in your money, you watch. And if you don't put me first, your money's going to grow wings and fly away. And so that's a very pragmatic approach where uh, the smartest financial thing you can do is give God the first 10%. That's the smartest money decision a person can ever make. Hmm. There are people who prosper financially who don't do that. Right. And there are people who are not um, God-honoring in their lives, and they seem to be prospering. Some would even say they have a very comfortable life. Uh, I've been told, I don't know if this is actually true or not, that Donald Trump said, you know, people who say that money can't buy happiness just don't know where to shop. <laughs> uh, so there are people who apparently look happy even though they're far from God. Yeah. But the truth is that the smartest thing a person can do, like if you were just going to say, I'm going to pragmatically be the most shrewd, brilliant guy on earth, what you would do is you would bow your knee to the authority of God and you would do precisely what he tells you to and your life would parlay in the correct way. Yeah. You still, you know, life's hard for everybody. Right. We're in a broken, fallen world. Well, just to, just to check the box. But the odds would be forever in your favor. Right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> to, to, you know, devil's advocate. What what would you say to then people who are certainly not God honoring, who are prospering, and more so than you know, than anyone that you and I know, like yeah. like the you know one percent level, you know, hundred millionaires or billionaires, right? You know, what what would you say, or even people even less than that, you know, six figure salary? Sure. They if if money can buy happiness, why are so many of those people miserable? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I'm I'm not sure I understand your question. What would I say to someone who's prospering? Well, what, well no. What would you say to, uh, or I guess, what is? How do you reconcile that with, okay. with people who are clearly far from God and prospering when visibly there are people close to God who aren't? Yeah. So, um, last week we did we t- we looked at uh, 
I'm trying to remember which psalm it was, but it said, don't look at the wicked, even though they prosper. Like, don't get distracted by that. Sure. Because that's, that's going to happen at times. And part of that is deception. You know, the enemy is going to see to it that some of those people prosper because he wants to, he wants to crush the Christian who's struggling by watching a guy who's dishonoring God flourish. So it's a way for him to bring discouragement to you. Another thing that that just hit me is that, you know, God needs to put his people everywhere so that they can be witnesses for Christ. Mm. And you know what that means? That means we need people in cancer wards. We need people to be getting on dialysis because their kidneys aren't working so that they can share the, the, they can share Christ with the other people on dialysis. Sure. Uh, because, Nobody gets it like somebody who's in it with you. So uh, sometimes I think, again, I think the New Testament calls us to be. This is where we camp out. Hey, my life can prosper. My life can be hard. But that's not what my life's about. My life is about that it belongs to God. And at the end of the day, when I say my life belongs to God, that means I'm saying, God, you can pour my life out however you want to. And what I'm going to do is be faithful to you. And I think there's an invitation to enjoy that journey, even when it's hard, because of this favor that rests upon you. I don't know if I answered your question. No, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I don't know if if I'm right in doing this, but it seems that there is the divide between um, the very easily visible prospering Mm -hmm. and the less visible prospering. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the Bible would say that is the case, Uh, but it it seems describing this to someone unfamiliar with uh, the gospel or the way that Jesus tends to speak. Yeah, they would go, I'm not sure I want to buy that, man. That's Yeah, that's not. Well, and and one of the things is depends on where you you put the finish line. So if the finish line is the day you die on this earth and you say, well, in that span of time from my birth to my physical death, um, I didn't win financially. So Mm -hmm. if that's what I get for following Jesus, I'm out. But the finish line isn't the day you die physically. The finish line is eternity. And man, you talk about reaping a harvest if we do not give up. That's what Revelation tells us. Hmm. So there is a reward. Man, there's a reward coming that blows all of this away. I mean, this gold that everybody's living for now is going to be pavement on the streets of heaven. That's awesome. So, I mean, the reward is astronomical what we're going to get in the long run. So if you make the finish line, this physical life, there's a whole lot of ways you can cry foul. I mean, people who are dying young, people who are having their children disappear. uh, If the finish line is this life, you're right. It's hard to reconcile. Sure. So let me tell you my takeaway, John, and then I want to hear yours. Yeah, go for it. I think the way I would summarize my takeaway is that God desires abundance for everyone. He is the he is the source. So one of the things that we need to understand is that all good things from, come from God. We know that that God's job is to be our source. He is our shelter in the storm. He's our treasure. So like he's our source. Our job is to walk closely to God. So I think there's an abundance that God hopes for every person, and um, that that's His desire. He's the provider, and my job is to stay close. That's awesome. I would say my takeaway is that uh, the promises of God are always true um, and they do not always look the way that we think Mm. they will. Yeah. And it's for the best because of how um, simple minded we can be in how we see that. So, and how short sighted we can be, you know, we, 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 we want the immediate win. Right. And uh, so I think when, when we are promised um, prosperity and other promises that it, it is, 
um, different and better than we would like that to be. I think that's awesome. Well, that's a good place to stop. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks for listening. I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, We want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you can click subscribe on whatever podcast provider you're listening to. Also, check us out at jimandjohn.com where you can read the blog that we write. We post a blog about each podcast and there'll be some uh, summary points from the podcast itself. Um, Also, you can find other content on there from other, other blogs that we've written. What else, John? What what else? Oh, Instagram. Uh, yeah, follow yeah. us on social media. Yeah, uh, Instagram. So we, Jim and John. Uh, no H and John. Very no crucial. H and John. That's Jim and John. No H for everything. Hashtag no H. Hashtag no H. Just J O N. Yeah. Uh, Twitter. We are Jim and John one. Some shyster got in there before what? us and took the yeah. That ain't right. I know Jim and John one the number. Jim and John one is Instagram and there's no H and then no, Twitter. That's Twitter. Twitter's Jim and John one. Instagram, oh, okay. Instagram. We got there first. The guy gotcha. Had, okay. He hadn't heard of Instagram yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> just Twitter. He's a caveman. Yeah. He is. Okay. So we are Jim and John on Instagram mm-hmm. and we are Jim and John one on, on Twitter. Twitter. And if you go to our website, the links to our uh, social media are there anyway. So you can just start at Jim and No H. Awesome. Uh, stay loose. Be happy. Be good. God is good. Life is hard. And uh, the best is yet to come.